Pac-12 has to finish strong in bowl season. But if not, this is the fun part of the season. We're doing the all-decade drafts. ASU hires a coach, but is it really a coach? And 2020 is going to be the year of quarterbacks and coordinators in the Pac-12 North. I'm George Reister with Ralph Amsted, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Ralph, I have to start out by saying thank you to everybody who's listening to the Pac-12 Apostles, who shared the Pac-12 Apostles, who's left a great rating for the Pac-12 Apostles. You guys, make sure you guys share the feed, tell a friend about the Pac-12 Apostles, and if you have any questions or comments, send them in to I'm mad at unafraidshow.com or you can find Ralph at Ralph Amsden on Twitter. Find me at George Reister. Ralph writes for the Devil's Digest, covers rivals, recruiting, all of that. I do a show on Fox Sports Radio, write for Unafraid Show, do videos, all those things. And we appreciate your time, appreciate your energy because this is the podcast not just for Pac-12 fans, by Pac-12 fans, about the Pac-12, the good, the bad, the ugly, we bring the real. Are you ready, Ralph? I'm ready, man. How was your holiday? It was good, man. It was it was good. Uh, I actually, I did something that I won't do again, which is travel uh, on Christmas or around Christmas. I like, figured out I like being at home because it kind of, I was gone for the week leading up to Christmas and it just kind of ruined the holiday for us. Like it, it was, it it was almost like the year when me and my mom, well, when my mom and my auntie decided they didn't want to cook for Thanksgiving when I was in like junior high school or high school. And we went to a restaurant out here called the Odyssey, really good restaurant, but it like, there's no leftovers. It doesn't feel like home. Like it, it, it just wasn't the Christmas experience that I'm used to or enjoy. Yeah. You, but, you, you did like a summer type trip, like a, <laughs> like a, like a summer getaway for the holiday. I mean, everybody's got to try it once just to see if it's for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Going somewhere tropical and warm for the winter. It is, it is not the move. I, I would rather go to, the snow i would rather be in the with, with kanye in the mountains of of wyoming than be in like than be in warm warm weather at least, at least let me get some snowboarding in or something yeah it, it, it's weird listening to that christmas music when all you have is sunshine yeah the, the weather outside is frightful <laughs> it's really not <laughs> yeah actually 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 it's great i'm in swimming trucks right now yeah um, uh, but the 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 Pac-12, Ralph, we talk, talked about how important it was to start fast in bowl games. And there is one thing I'm looking at right now, because I remember a couple weeks ago, everybody was pointing to, oh, the Pac-12 officials are calling the national championship game. Oh, everything's going to go to hell. The conference is going to look horrible. Um, I don't think there's any way Pac-12 fans could cause any more controversy than the SEC refs did in the semifinal game against Clemson and Ohio State. It's it's not possible, right? Right. I mean, are you and I on the same page here? Like, that's a catch and a fumble? Uh, No, no. 
I thought that was an incomplete pass from the second I saw it. I was watching Interesting. it with okay. with Denisha, and I said, "Oh, they're overturning that. They just wanted to make sure the play they didn't blow the play dead. If they did, I mean, like, so you're I, saying I, you're saying that's an incomplete pass, like based on all of the rules we've seen put in place since Calvin Johnson in the end zone, or you're saying like that's always been an incomplete pass." Oh, uh, no, I'm talking about since we got replay and started tinkering with what's a catch since Calvin mm-hmm. Johnson and Dez Bryant. Yes, that has been an incomplete pass. I'm saying it should not be an incomplete pass. It should be a catch and a fumble. However, okay, the then, way yeah, things. Then, huh? You and I, are, you and I are on the same page then. Cause I, I mean, r- rules are rules. We can't do anything about that, but like they have changed what a catch is based on the fact that they got like 1600 frame per second replay oh dude i am i hate replay to what what it's devolved to i mean like the get everything right has turned into actually get everything get some things wrong like you try to micromanage things because like you can't adjudicate or or uh judge a play based upon frame by frame because that's not how it how it happens it's almost like when you're watching Pac-12 basketball and you see like the for the the history of basketball until like two years ago. If a defender hits a ball out of a guy's hands and it goes out of bounds, it's the it's the offensive player's ball unless he reached out and touched it again. But now we're looking and it's oh, oh it went off of his finger last. No, that's not the way it like for all of basketball for a hundred plus years it's been the same way. And now we're trying to change the, the rules. And the same thing with 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 football. The only thing that replay has truly helped with is two things. One, inbounds or out of bounds. And number two, it's helped with ground causing fumbles, which I am I, I like both of those. But when you get into, you know, micromanaging, you know, oh, did it did the did the ball move an inch? Did it, you know, uh, like it just gets terrible. Like it, it it's gotten so frustrating. It slowed the game down and it only gives fans more things to complain about. I'm with you on that. No, I it's it it's but I, I do think that it sort of lampoons the whole argument that the NBA is losing viewership solely because people don't like the way that it's officiated because nobody complains louder than football fans about the way that targeting and complete passes and uh, pass interference is officiated yet the numbers keep growing and growing and growing yeah I totally agree there and oh but on the targeting calls though dude I am like like let's take the like the targeting call that we saw against Trevor Lawrence. We've seen that in the Pac-12 so many times. Ah, it reminded me it reminded me of the, the hit on Zach Moss. Yeah. Where his head was going down and because Evan Fields didn't have his eyes raised and he was, you know, shooting for the numbers, he ends up hitting somebody in the head. Dude, I I got a number of tweets about my response to it because I absolutely hated the fact that that was called targeting. I get it, but I hated it because the the response I got, oh, keep your keep your face out of it, keep your head up. Do you realize it is 
humanly impossible. Like trying to explain this to people who've never played football or never actually hit somebody violently, they have no idea. Like you, it is physically impossible to generate force, energy, or uh, like like or momentum enough momentum to knock a player backwards unless you put your head down on some level it yeah. has to so go down it's not possible. you cannot launch you cannot launch with your with, with your body horizontal and your face vertical like that's just not i mean so what what they're trying to do by saying keep your head up is to really keep you from launching too much in the first place but i mean i mean just try it I, I for for all these people that are saying that like oh just keep your head up which which I'm one of them you have to keep your head up I'm which is going to take away your ability to launch but I just want them to like try it at home like go get uh, uh some pillows tie them to <laughs> one of the posts in your house and see if you can leave your feet and hit that post and also keep your 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 face you know vertical um it's I mean, it's so counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, like, uh, they're trying to pe- keep the crown of people's helmets away from other people's helmets. And ultimately, the tackle is responsible for some of this contact. Correct. They're, they're ducking into the contact. Like, you, I, I, I believe that I'm all for player safety. And when you get your head down too far, it should absolutely be called. So what I mean, about that, George? there's an acceptable level. What about that, though? What if what if they could make the simple adjustment to the replay system of saying, okay, this was targeting. We normally eject for it, but part of the contact was initiated by the ball carrier or by the receiver or, or whoever it is. Therefore, it does not result in an ejection, just the 15-yard penalty. I am a okay with that. I'm, I mean, and then you have to factor in collateral damage too, because guess what? Sometimes a a hit starts out correct. A guy turns to go hit with his shoulder, like I think I saw it in one of the pro games yesterday. Uh, a guy goes to go hit a receiver on the sideline with his shoulder. However, his he can't take his head off of his body. He's like side shouldered him and his, and their heads hit a little bit. And you're like, okay, what is the man supposed to do? Like, how is he supposed to do, do this? Because if you go in and you try to hit a player tackle with your shoulder while keeping your head up, your, your, your shoulder can't even get in a position to hit a guy unless your head goes down. It's not possible to keep your head up and your shoulder go, go down. Like it's like they're asking you to defy the laws of of gravity and the way human bodies are built. It is important to protect guys, but th- this is going too far. And so I would say there needs to be a 15 yard variety and an ejection variety, like a almost like a flagrant one and a flagrant two. I get that. I I I think that that's fair. Um, I just I I had tweeted out like, hey. You know, you, this is ridiculous, but like you just, you, you have to, at this point, you just have to make sure that, that your eyes are raised, which means you can't launch, which means it is unfair 
to the defense. So Correct. you just have to get to the point where you recognize that the rules are not fair. Yeah. And one, once you throw that out, I think it, it it's never going to be easy to digest, but, but I mean, that at least needs to be admitted. It is not fair. And I think once you get to that point, then you can say, all right, well, um, this is just going to be part of the game where the offense has a complete advantage. For sure. Because the offensive guys, they duck their heads to run over people to get first downs. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, the We're, we're going to get to the all-decade draft in just a second. But I wanted to go over, like, super, super quick, Ralph. So we got an email. Well, actually, um, we We'll go over to bowls and the user email because we got a really good email in. But uh, we got the uh, the bowl games. So the you had Washington State lose to Air Force, thirty one to twenty one. Anthony Gordon goes for three fifty one. All of this, and that was the Cheez It Bowl. And we've talked at nauseum like this year about the Pac twelve scheduling or having games against the the Mountain West. And the Pac-12 against the Mountain West in bowl games now has a losing record. Well, it had a losing record coming into the year, but with Boise State, with Washington and Boise State and the Air Force and Washington State splitting, it's still a losing record now. And the Pac-12 since 2014, when the Cheez-It Bowl became part of the Pac-12 landscape after it was the Cactus Bowl. The Pac-12, 2014, Oklahoma State, 30, Washington, 22. 2015, West Virginia, 43, Arizona State, 42. 16, no participant. 2017, Kansas State, 35, UCLA, 17. 2018, TCU, 10, Cal, 7, Arizona. And then this year, you had Air Force and Washington State, the Pac-12 has not won a Cheez-It Bowl. It needs to stay away from the Big 12. I'm sorry, from the Mountain West and stay away from the Cheez-It Bowl, Ralph. Right. I mean, and it's not like these other teams come in with any advantage. You're in Pac-12 territory kicking off at a Pac-12 hour, and somehow these teams come in with an advantage. It's crazy. Dude, it, it's bad. And Washington State finished with a losing record, and it goes to show again – how stoppable the air raid offense is, but and we detailed that on one of the other shows, so you can go back and listen to all the Pac-12 Apostles episodes because yeah, we detail that. Um, and I don't think Washington State ended the year with a single victory over a winning team. Nope, they did not, sir. They, I I this game this game bothered me because when you when you come right out of the gate. And Air Force gets a what was almost what a fourteen minute ninety eight yard drive. Yes, they couldn't stop and, a nosebleed, dude. Yeah, so then I tweet out like, "Hey, you know who's Mike Leach gonna blame for this? You know who who's he gonna find to blame besides himself uh, for this giant insane time of possession gap?" And I had people jumping into my match and saying, uh, um, "You know, Mike Leach doesn't care about time of possession." He he does if that time of possession is zero, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, because you can't score if you don't have the ball. Like time time of possession is not a metric that correlates between winning and losing. However, the 
if you can't stop the other team and you have less possessions, then yes, it does factor in at that point in time. Right. Yeah. And it's all in how you it's it's all in the context of time of possession, because you could have a team that scores in one play every single time and gets dominated in time of possession and wins by 50, obviously. But if that time of possession is like one minute to 14 minutes and one team is up seven to nothing, that's an enormous problem. That means your defense cannot get them off the field. That means that means that the other team, especially a team that runs a triple option, is dictating the time of possession to you. Uh, at least, at least in the Colorado game, it was a Colorado coaching mistake, in my view, that led to Colorado losing to Air Force at home. They really should have brought Lavisca Chenault out. Went for two. There was nothing that uh, Air Force could have done about that at that time. Uh, if they went into the wildcat formation with Lavisca, got the two point conversion, they I, I I still to this day feel like they would have been fine in that game. This game was, I mean, this was a butt kicking from an Air Force team that you could just tell did not have the athletes to be matching up defensively with what Washington State was was doing, but just played with more heart, uh, more desire. And you know what, Mike Leach is back to just tweeting memes. He's back to he 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 took a break from it during the season. Um, he tweeted out a couple <laughs> this week that made me laugh already. But he he doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of this. He's cashing his check. It's somebody else's fault. Um, I think I had said that if if he was on a deserted island and he was the only person there, you know, and 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 that dude farted, he, he, and there was a thousand miles to land in every direction around him. Uh, he would still find somebody to blame for the way the air smelled like this dude will pin anything on anybody except for himself. He doesn't take responsibility <laughs> for, for any of this. And people say, well, you got some type of vendetta against Mike Leach. I'm like, well, Mike Leach has some type of vendetta against everybody except himself because it can't all be on the kids and it can't all be on the coaches. Like at some point you have to realize that it is your job to recruit, to recruit good players, your job to game plan to beat other teams. He has no problem accepting credit for all the really good years that they've had um, in the recent past. But as far as this year goes, at least publicly, you never saw him come out and say, I got to do a better job. And he definitely needs to do a better job, whether that's in hiring the coaches or in recruiting the players or in getting involved in the, the schemes. Something has to change because this offense was borderline unstoppable at times and they didn't beat a single team of note all year. I, I, I just want to do this, Ralph, because you just pointed something out about a, accountability. And I want to play a little clip. I want to play a little clip of accountability. And this is accountability from UCLA's head coach, Mick Cronin. Because UCLA lost to, uh, uh, oh my goodness, to, um, oh my Lord, I can't, oh, it was Cal State Fullerton. I was about to say, my sister played basketball there and I couldn't remember. Um, they lost to Cal State Fullerton and Mick Cronin took responsibility. Here is what responsibility sounds like. Uh, apologize to our fans for our defensive effort once again. I think we're coming into this game, we're 
one of you guys had asked me in the press conference about our defense. I told you it's, our metrics are horrible. If you hold the ball long enough, we'll break down. What I'll leave you guys with is, you know, winners, winners know why they win. Losers don't know why they don't lose. They don't know why they lose. They think it's the coach, their teammates, uh, the referees. Winners know that winners know that intangibles win games. Preparation, adherence to the game plan, execution, physicality, toughness. Winners know that. Okay, Ralph, he just said so many things. First of all, he said his team's not winning because they don't play defense and that he's got to get it fixed. The players have to play harder, play better, and that he noted two things that I just thought were awesome. said, winners know why they win, and losers don't know why they don't lose, don't know why they're not winning. And he also said that playing defense and doing the right thing starts with humility. And I just thought that that was awesome because you have to humble yourself to do all the right things and not try to put accountability in and blame on other people and not just care about your offensive stats. You have to take personal responsibility. Mick Cronin did it. And it was one of the, the most awesome accountability speeches that I've heard. He didn't throw anybody personally under the, the bus. He said he's got to do better. He's got to find the right people. And Mike Leach would never say that. Right. I mean, and, and that's just it. Winners can lose games. Like a winning mentality, winning at life, like being able to take accountability, being able to know what you need to improve on, being able to make tough decisions. Those That's all part of a winning mindset. Looking around for somebody else to blame for your problems is is definitely the opposite of that, which is crazy because I don't want to sit here and call Mike Leach a loser. Like this guy is a football genius. This guy puts in a ton of work. Uh, he's obviously very, very valuable to the Washington State community, but he, his public interactions are starting to add up and build what seems to me to be a toxic narrative. I mean, you know, he's got the comments out there that basically say like, well, whoever recruits better players than us, they should be beating us. Right? Like yep. what what does that say to you? He's called his players soft. Right? He's he's out there bringing up like political yep. issues that have nothing to do with with anything. He's he makes all sorts of comments about, you know, this generation and their mindset. And I mean, this is a guy who's put a ton of thought into sort of just like the psychology of what it takes to win in the first place. You know, he, he banned his whole team from social media to hold himself accountable for not being able to focus. And I just, all that <laughs> seems super silly to me. Dude, that's, that, that's why it would be extremely hard for him to win at that, at that level. Um, so, oh, the so the next thing up is that um, the USC-Iowa game. Before we get to the all-decade draft, because it is coming, it is going to be great. Um, the You got USC just getting decimated by Iowa. I mean, if it weren't for that field goal right before halftime, they would have been down 28 to 14. And... I, and all I saw was when Keaton Slovis hurt his elbow after they went for the onside kick in the second half, 
and he got hurt. They were down four with the ball, going down down the score. Keenan Slovis gets hurt. I immediately tweet out. I say, oh, that was the excuse that Clay Helton needed. Because if they lose the game, well, well, we had to bring in Matt Fink. We lost our guy. We lost our guy. And then you lose 49 to 24. And it was just absolutely a disaster, Ralph. Yeah. Um, I think when we look back on 2019, all we're really going to remember is that somehow Utah lost to Matt Fink. I mean, that that's going to be the ultimate head scratcher of this entire uh, Pac-12 season because he was completely ineffective as a quarterback. And I, I want to back up because whatever happened to Keaton Slovis, man, that was, that was scary. That was a, yeah, that could have been career ending. Yeah. I mean, it, you just, all the torque on his arm. I mean, they kept replaying it. I was just sick to my stomach, man. This is a kid that I've known for a really long time. I, I just, you, you hate to see something like that. And then for it to come like one play after they ran him back out on the field after a potential head injury, which, by the way, I don't know if you had the volume turned up on the broadcast, but Gus Johnson and whoever was uh, doing this game with him, they they were they they were just out there uh, right at that moment. They were talking about Keaton Slobis's concussion from earlier in the year when when uh, Lecky Fotu came in untouched and just blew him up, and they were talking about how Keaton Slovis had a, an agreement with his mom that he would never play football again if he got a concussion. And then, you know, he gets a pretty bad concussion and he goes to his mom and he's like, I'm grown now. And uh, <laughs> and they were sort of like praising that as if like <laughs> as as if like that's an honorable thing to do. And then Gus Johnson, I think it was Gus Johnson, made some offhand comment of like, well, mom, do you want to do, do you want me to keep my promise or do you want to start having to pay for my schooling? And it just sort of painted the picture of like, uh that these guys are putting their health at risk for the money. When you and I both know that if Keaton Slovis never played again after that hit, he wouldn't owe a dime for his education. Like you and I know that to be the case, but it was just a really weird thing that they were talking about at the time. And then, and then obviously, you know, he gets his arm hit on the pass like five seconds later. And um, I mean, he just looked miserable on the sideline. And that, that was pretty rough to see. Uh, but, you know, you talk about Clay Helton having his built-in excuse for this game, but this game had nothing to do with USC's offense. They were moving the ball just fine. Uh, it was the defense that was the massive issue, and uh, and and Clancy Pendergast ended up getting fired after the game. Dude, he, was, he should have been fired before the game. Like, he shouldn't call for anybody's job, but facts are facts. Um, so here's the email that we got in. In the wake of Iowa's drubbing of USC, I wanted to get some perspective on, on Coach Helton's repetitive and uninspiring post-game comments. It's apparently clear to everyone except the USC administration that the coaching staff uh, that Friday was a terrible per performance. The worst loss since in a bowl game since 1948. You had the Oregon loss, all that. And um, and then he began the press conference by thanking Iowa and their fans for a great game. I might be asking for too much, but as an entitled Trojan fan, but can our coach take some accountability and at least act like and act mad when we lost? Break down the mistakes instead of whispering sweet nothings into the mic. 
um yeah and um Oh, can do do either one of us have a recollection of Pac-12 coach who was so consistently tone deaf and as bad as Helton with their messaging? Also, who do you think is who do y'all think is the best right now? Okay, um, the tone tone thing's interesting because this is Herm Edwards' deal, right? Like stay even keeled no matter what. Um, it it makes me wonder if Herm Edwards was the coach at USC if they would be upset by the fact that he doesn't get upset, but Clay Helton is, is sort of yeah, just but you can see a, it in Herm's face though. Yeah. You can, you can see yeah. it in Herm's face. Like That's you can fair. see it in his body language, his tone, his intensity. And he, you know, you know, we just got to be better. This is not going to work. That's not, a bad I mean, impression. he, at least <laughs> in keeping even keel, he still takes accountability and it's like, listen, we just weren't ready to play today. This wasn't good enough. And and Clay Helton's, oh, we're going to learn from this. You know, we want to thank the other fans for for doing this. This dude doesn't inspire confidence in anybody. He is. I'll, I'll give Clay Helton this. I, he is the, he's just a nice guy. Um, he is straight out of the Andy Griffith show. Just like, well, oh, yeah. well, well, hey, Andy. Like the way he talks to everybody. It's just so pleasant. Like there, there's not a strain in his vocal cords. There's no, there's no pain. There's no like weathering. Like where, where is like Ed Orgeron, uh, you know, uh, makes his mumbles and, and grunts as if he's his entire body has, has been through the ringer and he's, you know, physically been to battle, uh, and, and stormed beaches, you know, uh, Clay, Clay Helton's just whole affect and the way that he puts himself out there is somebody who, uh, you know, like like the main character of Office Space, who was just sort of hypnotized at the very beginning and and uh, and, and then is permanently in a good mood because the hypnotist died during the process like that. That's just his whole way of doing things and his vibe and people. People want to see their frustration matched and justified um, in in their head coach, in their leader. And, and the leader has to know what, what times to sort of take all that emotion upon themselves. And they also have to know what times to like temper everybody else. Um, and yeah, so it, it just, it, it everything that he does sort of comes off like he's lacking any sort of... Uh, um, emotional intelligence or situational awareness. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure he wants to win. I don't think that you get to the point where you completely caricature somebody like Clay Helton's an idiot. He's a terrible football coach. Yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah, they won. They won eight games. Like it, it could have been worse. I know USC fans don't want to hear this, but like it, he, he's not, he's, he's not out there as an invalid, right? Like he's not, he, he's not like mentally unstable or like handicapped in any sort of way. He's a human being who football is his entire life and he wants to win. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a skill issue at this point, not a will issue, but people want to see that he wants it more. But at this point, he's so far gone that what's the point? Like, honestly, like what, what? So if, if he got mad, if he gritted his teeth, you'd give him five more games. No, see, exactly. You are exactly right. There's nothing he can do at this point to instill confidence because um, some of the reporters after the game, because I, I followed the USC coverage very closely after the game, 
they said players weren't really upset in the locker room. Even their messaging was because remember, coaches follow their head coaches. They follow the the, the leadership because they like Clay. But at the same time, they're at, after the game laughing. Like every the mood in the locker room is not really somber. Like you just lost an important game. It was just or you got blown out. It was just more like, hey guys, we'll get them next time. Will this is a learning experience? We'll do better. Yeah, I mean, okay. and, and and it like was a meaningless bowl game in Southern California, where they just had a a bunch of gift bags handed to them, and they got to hang out at the was beach. It, was it meaningless though? It wasn't meaningless to to, to Iowa. I don't think the holiday. Yeah, you're right. It was not meaningless to Iowa to come in there and 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 walk away with a pelt. You know, to, and, to, and USC's fan and USC's fan base. So, if USC's fan base knew how important the game was to instilling confidence in either recruiting or in Clay Helton's job security, Clay Helton and the kids had to be aware of that too. So, so like, I can't buy the oh, it's a meaningless bowl game. No, everybody watching the game. It's surrounded by USC and the Pac-12 was looking at it like, okay, Clay Helton needs to at least put on a good performance. He can't, if he's that tone deaf, if the team is that tone deaf, it's worse off than you think. Yeah, I mean, what USC fan is out there, and reach out to us, please let us know, what USC fan out there was, even had a shred of hope that if they won the Holiday Bowl, that that would all of a sudden plant the seeds for them to think that Clay Helton was right for the job. What USC fan out there, you know, thought that recruits would look at the holiday? Like, was there a shred of hope even left heading into this game? I, From all the reaction I've seen is everybody's pretty much made up their mind you know, so all this game really did was just fulfill expectations that people already had. The fact that people even spent energy getting upset to me was pretty wild because this is exactly what you thought was going to happen, right? Clay Helton is your coach. You don't think that he can do this job. Therefore, when he does not do this job, why are you still mad? Your anger has obviously not affected the process. Yeah, true. They that they, they just want him gone. But uh, the the messaging though, I think that um, Herm Edwards does a really good job of messaging and without like you know dogging his players. I think Mario Cristobal does a good job of me- messaging. You know, but like messaging is easy when you're exceeding expectations or meeting expectations too. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, like. Like it's, you know, like you, I guess you would have to point to somebody who's not and, or who went through adversity and Justin Wilcox did a good job of that this year when, uh, Garbers was out. He was realistic about what it was. He told the truth, you know, uh, it's hard to have great messaging when the results are bad. And I don't, I don't see the vision either. Like, I don't see what USC is trying to do. I don't see where they're going or where they're headed. Like with Arizona state, it's very obvious what they are trying to do. I mean, they, they just, uh, they just took a, a GA away from USC, which I know that you and I were going to talk about. And anyway, we might as well do it now. Chris Hawkins, who is the son of a, 
a very, very connected Armand Hawkins senior in, um, in Southern California was a four year defensive back for USC out of Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, he's only 24 years old and ASU just made him their defensive backs coach. And it's very obvious what they're trying to do. They're trying to get a stranglehold on Southern California while confidence in USC is low. It's very clear what Colorado's trying to do. Uh, you always know what Utah's system is and what they're trying to build. You feel like even with UCLA struggles that Chip Kelly has a vision for where the program is going. With USC, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know what Clay Helton means when he says that Mike Bone is providing additional resources. Additional resources for for what? Yeah, like it, this is a private school. Like they they aren't penny pitching. But I, I I thought that you pointed something out on Twitter that I thought was genius because USC runs the same offense as Washington State, and the and you pointed out that the air raid is something teams do to like a gimmick offense to basically stop the people who are more talented. Like to 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 combat the talent gap. It was almost like when Chip Kelly first got to Oregon, but before they really started rolling and they were just going super fast to try to combat USC and their and their huge offensive and defensive lines uh, to win non-conference games. Like they had an advantage. And now, but at the end of the day, sometimes you had to line up and you had to knock somebody off the ball. Or you had to play against people who were much bigger, much more physical. And that was truthfully why Oregon lost the the Rose Bowl against Terrell Pryor. Um, when they lost to uh, Auburn in the, even though it was only by a field goal, had they been able to block Nick Fairley, they would have won by two touchdowns. Yeah, that the air raid is weird to me because it's it it's there to try to give everybody a leg up on competing against bully schools. And I think USC had like what four carries in the first half against Iowa. The school yep. of Marcus Allen, Reggie Bush, Lendale White, OJ Simpson, like four carries in the first half. It just didn't sit right with me. I totally agree. Totally agree. And, and think about um, it. Think about this for a second. It's like it, it, you, when Randy Johnson was at his absolute best, you know, every opposing manager knew that like, man, my best left-handed hitter, the one that I built my team around, the one that like all of our salary structure sits upon the cornerstone of our big left-handed hitters. You know, they're not going to be able to hit off Randy Johnson. So let's just throw some bench right-handers out there to see what they can do. Right. Yeah. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. You might as well forget about it. Yeah. That's the air raid. The air raid is just like, ah, oh, well, let's just try this to see if we can compete against the machine. But the air raid's yep. never going to it's never going to be the thing. It, it is too easy to stop in the red zone. It, I mean, like we 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 detailed this. It is easy to stop in the red zone because the air raid is dependent upon space. And and it is very difficult to run the football in the air raid. And the reason why is because your linemen are built for pass blocking. And they aren't used to just like they're they're agile, they're nimble, they are not used to that road grader physicality 
mindset and you don't play with tight ends. So you don't really have them on a roster. So it makes it very difficult to run the football. And all your space is taken away once you get inside the 20. So if you don't score from further out, you're kicking field goals, which is how to stop the air rate. Make them check down to the backs, tackle the backs. Do not bite on the cheese. Make them take 12, 15 plays to score. Somebody will drop a ball. They'll get a pass and they'll get a penalty. Um, uh, Overthrow, drop, something will happen to make them stall a drive. Exactly. And you only have 85 scholarships. So it's not like you can build two completely different personnel for in the red zone and out of the red zone. And even then, you don't even have 85 scholarships anymore because we live in the age of the transfer portal. So you'll never be able to build a team that can service both offensive systems. Um, It's just weird to me that the classically most dominant team in all of the Pac-12, Pac-10 history is running an offense that's basically meant to help them keep pace with who? With themselves? They're eating themselves alive from from the inside out. And it's I know that a lot of Pac-12 fans of other teams think it's completely glorious. But at the same time, it's just if you if you just take your fandom away for a second and look at it objectively, it is just uh, it's something else. It's just a sight to behold that that, you know, USC could inflict this upon itself. Yep, I 100 percent agree with you. But on the Arizona State coaching hire, that dude, he coached. He was the GA at 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 USC, which is. Not exactly their defensive backs were not their strong suit. Then he gets the ASU uh, DB job. That's all about recruiting. You, you you talked about it. This is not a coach who's coached to who's there to coach people up. His job, Tony Tony White is still going to be the who's the defensive coordinator. Is still going to be the main secondary coach. Right. I mean, he's going to have. <laughs> He's going to have uh, Jack Jones, who I'm sure that, you know, he already knows personally, and a four-year starter in Chase Lucas, who's only one year younger than him, a year and a half, uh, that that he's responsible for. And so um, it, it'll be, it'll definitely be interesting. I think, you know, they definitely hired him for his connections, for the juice that he brings, and to just fire a warning shot uh, at, at USC and let them know, like, hey, we're coming unless you do something to stop us. We're coming into California and we're leaving with all your best players or the players that Oregon doesn't leave with. Um, just what a, what a wild time for USC fans. I mean, it's, it's coming at them from all sides right now. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Now, Ralph, it is time. It is time for what we have all been waiting for. It is time for the, Pac-12 All-Decade Draft. The All-Decade Draft. The the first thing we have to establish the rules of the All-Decade Draft. First thing is, is that we can only draft, we cannot draft the same players. We have to draft different players. And and we, we have the positions down. And the other thing is, is that we have to establish what is a decade because I saw people arguing about this on Twitter about what a decade is. Some people said it was from the zero year, so like 2000, 
2010. Oh, sorry, 2000. Yeah, 2010 to 2019. And then I saw some crazy people that said it was from. It's really from 2011 to 2020. Well, first of all, uh, I get the whole like you can't have a year zero. So uh, like I, I get that. But a decade, as we're defining it, is just the set of 10, right? Yep. So uh, 2010 through 2019, if you played in any of those seasons, you're going to be eligible. You can't have 2020 be part of we – can't, we can't even have this discussion because then we wouldn't actually be able to do the draft because <laughs> we'd be including a season that hasn't even happened yet, a season that's going to have eight new quarterbacks that we haven't even seen that could potentially affect the outcome of – of what it is we're trying to do. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, if you played in the 2010 season through the 2019 season, any of those two years, I think that would make you eligible for this. I totally agree with you, Ralph. I totally agree. So as we get, get started, um, I guess we need to figure out who, who goes first. So I'll let you Ralph pick, pick a number between one and 10. I'm so confident, George. It's all you, man. I, I, can, I can go first? You can go first. Oh, my Lord. Thank you. Oh, man. I thought I was going to have to rig the vote. Okay. So, I guess we can, we can start at quarterback, the most important position. I am taking the best, one of the best quarterbacks in Pac-12 history, could be the best quarterback in Pac-12 history, Marcus Mariota. The Marcus Mariota, who is, I mean, like, this is an easy choice. He put up more stacks, racked up accolades than nobody did in the 2010s. And he would be in consideration for the greatest Pac-12 quarterback of all time, Ralph. Okay. Okay. So I figured you would probably go with Marcus Mariota. And you're only going to draft one quarterback, right? Yeah. So that puts me in the in the enviable position of not having to draft a quarterback until the very end cuz I can have anybody I want. <laughs> see, see Vic, that is a great put, Ralph. Damn, I love that strategy because you knew I was going to draft Marcus first because quarterback is the most important position and you, and I re, and I already know who you're going to choose as quarterback and now you can take him as your last pick. Exactly. Exactly. So, Damn. that puts me in a in a position to be able to to get my offense set up in other ways. So, I'm going to go ahead and do that and I'm I'm going to let my team know what's most important to me right now and that's being able to to run the ball. And so, my first pick is going to be Tyron Smith out of USC his senior season. Uh, was the 2010 year, and uh, he's gone on to have a hell of a career for the Dallas Cowboys, and he is a very rich man, and he will be anchoring my team, and uh, and he'll be blocking for Christian McCaffrey. Hold hold on, how how did you get two two picks? Are we not doing a snake draft? Okay, all right. Because if I give you the first pick, then that 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 hurts me. If it's so, now you get two in a row. Okay, because oh man, dude, you you over you thought about this so much and you got a strategy advantage, dude. I I didn't even ah, dude. I just I, I knew I knew you'd want to to have your team built around Mariota, and so I was like, well, if if I know he's gonna get Mariota, what's the best possible thing I could do? I promise I haven't thought this through very much beyond <laughs> beyond what I would do in the first round. 
Oh man. So now now you've actually made me change my draft because my my plan was to draft Christian McCaffrey second, but I didn't even I as many fantasy drafts as I've done, I didn't even think about the snake draft. So I am now going to switch up my my team, my draft status ever so slightly. I am now going with my second pick, the probably the best offensive lineman to come out. Well, he's still in the Pac-12 right right now. Just won the Outland Trophy for the best offensive lineman. And if he were coming out this year, he'd be a top five pick. I'm taking tackle. You got Tyron Smith. I can't let you have Tyron Smith and Panay Sewell. So I had to play a little bit of defense here. I'm taking Panay Sewell with my second pick. That's a, I mean, it, that that's, that's an incredible pick. I can't, I can't hate on that. Now, and now I am going to go with arguably, I mean, because there are certain things that you need when you need to, yes, you need offensive line. Yes. You need all these other players. However, I am going with next, probably one of the most disruptive players in the Pac-12 that we that we've seen in years that 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 we saw. I'm going with with my third pick. I'm going with a defensive end. I'm going with Leonard Williams from USC. Okay. I like it. Well, since I'm already I've, I've already started building the offensive line and I want to make sure that I get the best players available. Um I'm going to continue to I'm going to continue to fill it out and let's go uh let's give Christian McCaffrey some some uh, other cardinal uh members to play with. Let's go with uh, oh, David DeCastro and Andrus Pete. You dirty dog. Okay. Those are great, great picks because you are attempting to build your offensive line. And I obviously, I need to do that too, because you are trying to, you are clearly trying to take some of the best linemen (laughs) that there, that there are. And I have two, two picks now. So I am going with, Matt Khalil from Oof. USC. That's good. And and David Yankee from Oh wait, no. David Yankee was a uh No, no, he was a, he was a guard, correct? Yeah. So I'm I'm going to take uh Matt Khalil and David Yankee. All right. All right. So, uh at this point, I think I think I'm I'm I think I'm good. I think no matter what I do on the offensive line from here on out, I'm going to get some quality players, but I just wanted to make sure I felt like I had 3 of maybe the best 6 available. So, uh now that now that that's done, uh maybe focus on the other side of the ball a little bit and let's go ahead and go back to the beginning of the decade again and lock up defensive end Cameron Jordan out of Cal. And then let's see. Oh, <laughs> he just snuck in. He snuck in his last his last year uh, at Cal makes him eligible. So I got a little bit lucky there. Um, and then uh, from that point, uh, let's continue to build up that defensive line. 
Uh, he might not have had as much success in the NFL as he did at the collegiate level, but he was absolutely dominant. Uh, let's go with Star Lotule, um, first round pick of the Carolina Panthers back in the 2013 draft. That's a good call, dude, because Star at Utah was extremely dominant. Like when you look at his career, I mean, he was one of the more unblockable players on, I mean, like it, it, and when, like he was really good. And then you took uh, Cam Jordan too. He was a really good college player, but at the same time, he's been a much better pro player. That's fair. And, And I think it's hard to take out their pro prowess when it comes to, you know, look, looking at these things, because some of these players were really good in college, but then when you look at their pro, their pro stuff, it makes them look like even better yeah. college players. Like a guy like Jared Goff. Yeah, he was good in college, but his team lost so much that nobody really yeah. ever thought of him in that same way. Here's a question for you, um, because it's just basically like recency bias. Starlow Tolay went 14th overall to the Carolina Panthers back in 2013. You think there's a chance Lecky Fotu could go higher than that in the upcoming NFL draft? Or do, I'm, to, um, I feel like he's a first rounder, but I, I don't know if he'll uh, go that high. I do feel like he's a first rounder, but I think part of the problem that you're going to run into this year is that there are going to be so many wide receivers and running backs drafted in the first round this year that I think it's going to be tough on other players. Yeah. That, that this is just a draft that is extremely, um, you know, skill position heavy, which is not typical. So I think that that's going to be the, the, the biggest issue in, in what's going on. Um, okay. My turn up in the draft, you took Christian, McCaffrey so I am going to solidify I'm going to take the second best back in the Pac-12 in the 2000 what in the 2010s and that is going to be Royce Freeman Royce Freeman who is the all-time Pac-12 touchdown leader he is you know he's been a good back hasn't necessarily had the NFL success as he did in the Pac-12, but the kid was absolutely electric. I mean, he just scored touchdowns at an outrageous rate. All-time leader. You know, it's hard to go wrong with him. And then I'm going to go with the, the most unstoppable wide receiver that the Pac-12 has seen since what since like Reggie Williams <laughs> is um Marquise Lee okay from USC I mean Lane Kiffin was coaching the dude uh, or call it calling plays and he I mean and I that's where I started the term feed the meter like they would just feed the meter they threw the ball to him every single play that it was possible and he was impossible to to, to stop and that was part of USC's just just domination years so uh, those are my two picks Ralph man it's it's getting to the point where it's tough like I'm 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 uh I'm a little bit worried 
that anybody that I pick means that I won't be able to pick somebody else because now I've already got exactly. a defensive end and a defensive tackle. There's about three defensive tackles that I, I really want to make sure that I get on my squad, but I've already got one. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I might. Well, you get four defensive linemen. You can, you can choose them however you you want you get four defensive line <laughs> if we choose them however i want it's just going to be four d tackles <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> be bull rushing every single time uh let me let me make sure that i i, I pay respects to my guy Nikhil harry and just get him off the board right now oh i was gonna draft him okay and that there's some homerism in there but it, it can also be justified by the fact that you know he, he had what two two one thousand yard seasons uh, and he also, you know, he, he's, he's doing his thing uh, in the NFL, too. He's the number one ranked receiver coming out of high school in the class of 2016. You know, I don't know who I'm going to pair him with, but I think that he's just the he's the ultimate weapon. And so I'll make sure that I go ahead and uh, and, and get him uh, locked up. And then let's see here. God, it, this is tough, man, because. um all right. All right. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start to get this defensive line filled out. Let's go with uh, Washington's Vita Vea, the uh, monstrous six foot four, 347 pound uh, player who, <laughs> who, who did 41 reps uh, on, on the bench press. Um, you know, he, he was, he only made first team all pack 12 one time, but it's also, you know, the year he won the Morris trophy and pack 12 defensive player of the year. 2017 was a huge year for him. And he's gonna, he's gonna line up next to star low to And I feel good about that. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> Ralph, you are going to want to faint after my, my, my next two picks. Cause I am picking up the, best it's not even a question who's been the best tight end in the pac 12 so i i i with this pick i would have shored up two of the best position players period in the pac 12 in the 2010s and that would mean that i would have the best quarterback in the pac 12 during that time the best off uh, the best offensive lineman probably and the the best two wide receivers and the best tight end so my next two picks Ralph I'm picking Zach Ertz uh, as a senior 69 catches 900 yards and and you can't even the bad the great part about this pick is that you can't get a tight end who's even close to what I to what I got uh, you're probably right about that. And my next wide risk and next I'm going wide receiver. I know that you overlooked this dude and thank you for doing it. I'm taking Oregon state's Brandon cooks. He was actually, he was on my list. He was on my list. I was debating on whether or not he would be the other guy. Um, that's a really, 128 really good receptions, 1730 yards, 16 touchdowns in one season and he also ran for 217 yards and two touchdowns oh and he also had 1100 yards as a sophomore in 2012 first round pick too <laughs> i'm feeling really good about my team okay all right then well uh i'm i'm obviously you know uh 
uh, it's going to be tough for me to be able to match what you did um, at tight end. I will admit that. Uh, but I do want to start filling out some of these these uh, linebackers. And with my first pick. Oh, you're building on at, defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my first pick at linebacker, I'm actually going to pick up somebody who came in to your school playing your position before he got moved to linebacker. And that is Dion Jordan. Oh, I was gonna pick Deion Jordan. That's a great pick, dude. I, I kind of, I, honestly, I kind of shied away from picking some Oregon guys early because I didn't want everybody to think, oh, he's only picking Oregon guys. But we have, we've had some damn good players yeah. in the in the team in the team. And and here's the thing. So you, I, I don't think I would have even picked Deion Jordan if you hadn't picked Zach Ertz because now I need somebody who can cover the tight end, who is six foot seven, who was a track star. You know, you you kind of created that need uh for me so i i appreciate that um we we got to find a way to stop uh zach Ertz on your team so there's not you know <laughs> i i gotta do what i gotta do there um let's see who who else should i pick up uh gosh the again i'm i'm very very tempted to just fill the team out with uh with with the biggest uh baddest possible players um on the on the defensive line um Another guy who, yeah, I'm just going to do it. Forget it. Forget it. Uh, let's go ahead. And next to Star Lotelay and Cam Jordan and Vita Vea, oh, let's just no, finish it no. out. I'm going to pick up no, Danny Shelton. Don't do it. Oh, good. You can, you, you can have Danny, Danny Shelton, even though he's really good. I know you had your eyes on some people, but I, I, I just now everybody's well over three hundred pounds. I got Cam Jordan coming off the edge. If I want to move to like a, a three four with Cam Jordan and Dion and and Dion Jordan on the outside. P.S. Cam Jordan, Dion Jordan, same high school. Uh, Nikhil Harry too. I got a bunch of Chandler High kids. Um, but if I just want to have a massive interior line with Danny Shelton, Bita Vea, and Star Lotale, I can do that now. Oh yeah, dude, I am. I am happy because now you're out of defensive line spots. So now I can wait to draft my defensive line. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, that's the, true. The, I can wait to draft the rest of mine. So I am going to take the, the second best back. I'm going to take the second best back from the, well, actually, actually I, I, I already have a great running back in Royce Freeman. So I could go back and double back down and get another great back and get a two-headed monster, but I'm not going to do that yet. I'm going to add depth to my team and the greatest return man in Pac-12 history in Dante Pettis. Okay. He's going to be my return. He's going to be he's going to be my punt returner actually. Um because he would have six in his entire yeah six in his entire career nine total return touchdowns in his career i mean it is unbelievable how good this dude is and and if one of my guys and if i want to go three wide receivers guess what i got another guy i have just added so much to my team and then i'm going to continue to shore up I actually, I, I'm thinking about taking a guy because I want to make sure that you don't get him. <laughs> so I'm going to go on and do it. I was going to draft another guy, but I'm going with 
the best, the the most electric player, the most electric player the Pac-12 saw in the tens, the most electric. No player captivated the hearts and minds of America, of Oregon fans, or anybody like that more than the Black Mamba, DeAnthony Thomas. Okay. So you're going a different player at each return position then? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I see what you're doing. That's going to be tough to match. So I, I I get what you're doing. You're you're picking off the players that were like all the one of one guys. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Like like there are no you you can't find. I mean like the the only thing that you're going to be able to get close to in the return game is a Dory Jackson, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I and I might have to. I might just. Be left <laughs> with. Uh. All right. Let's see here. I think it's time to, to to start making sure that we can cover some of these wide receivers. Um, and this is tough because it, it, there, I don't feel like there were a ton of like transcendent defensive backs. There were just a bunch of very, very, very good ones um, over the, the course of their, their PAC 12 careers. Uh, and so I'm not sure if I should should get it kicked off, but I know that that'll make it so that you have to grab some too. Uh, let's um, let's go ahead and just grab a safety in a corner off the board real quick. Uh, let's go with uh, Dayon Buchanan at safety at a Washington oh, from State. Washington State. I yeah. want I want to make sure that Washington State has some representation here. And it, it'll just be even more <laughs> ironic that it's from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and then let's get let's go ahead and get my guy who only really played a season and a half, uh, but has very very much proven that that of everybody that ever played in the Washington defensive backfield, that he might be the the smoothest and best cover corner. Uh, let's go ahead and grab Byron Murphy. Okay. Huh. See, see when when I was compiling my list of guys, it was easy to look at the, I mean, it was so easy in the secondary. I was like, oh, let's look at all the Washington guys. Yeah, they that's ba- out, basically, yeah. Because they put out so many. And if you look at the, you know, like the Pac-12 single season and career leaders, it doesn't really tell the story of cornerbacks, really. Because if you look at the most interceptions or the most passes, defend it like if you look at the passes the defendant list it's not even the career leader like the okay so the uh, single season you have guys like witherspoon from colorado who had 19 thomas graham who had 18 at oregon and then you have the career leader by far it's not even close is arian springs from from oregon i didn't even know this until i was researching this 42 passes defended. Next is Iman Marshall and then Jace Whitaker from Arizona and then Thomas Graham. And I was just looking. I was like, oh, very, very interesting. I did not know that. So I thought it was, you know, important to note that stats, especially with cornerbacks and stuff like that, are not always as telling as people would would like it to be. So I am going to, Ralph, I am going to jump right in and continue to bolster my 
my team, my depth, my my all of that. So I'm going to pick up uh, probably. I think that you got a good one with 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 Murphy, but I think I upped you one with the best cornerback to come out of Washington, and he's having a hell of an NFL career too, Desmond Trufant. It's a yeah, that's a that's a good pick. I don't I I I kind of went back and forth. I'm projecting a little bit. You know, I, I just liked Byron Murphy a little bit more for for the straight coverage ability, but I think Trufant yeah. is probably better overall as a more well-rounded player. Yep. And then now I'm going to take the this this guy gives me versus versatility. He's listed, so I'm taking him as a linebacker. Even though on third down he's going to go rush the quarterback, I'm taking Anthony Barr from U from UCLA. That's a that's a really good pick. That's a really really good pick. Uh, let's see here. Um, so right now you are full on the defensive line. I am. Yes. You got one wide receiver, a quarterback, two offensive linemen. You got Christian McCaffrey, who I wanted so dearly, but I wanted Marcus just a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, and then you got a couple, and then you got two two defensive backs. So you still got a lot of a lot of spots to fill, a lot of defense to play. Yeah. Actually, you can't even play any offense yet because you don't even have a quarterback. <laughs> That's true. I think you know where I'm going there, though. So I'm not I'm not super worried about uh, the the quarterback position. Matt, Matt Matt Barkley, I already know. I already know. <laughs> oh man, that reminds me. Hold on, hold on one second. I gotta, I gotta check something real quick to make sure that my uh, next player was actually, um, actually played in this decade. And uh, oh wow, you are reaching back then. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure that he wasn't like. Because it was early, it was earlier in the decade, and I just want to make sure that he wasn't like suspended <laughs> for for. What? Oh, you're you're going Marcus Marcus Peters? Uh, no, 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 not not Marcus Peters. Um, we're gonna go ahead, and we're gonna go with Vontez Perfect. Oh, I thought of, oh, dude, he'll never be able to play. He's the NCAA all-time fifth uh, personal foul penalty leader. If he played in the era of of targeting and ejections, he would have never made it to the NFL. That's fair. That's fair. He's he's not in the NFL right now because of it. He spent <laughs> spent the entire year suspended. But I tell you what, those few plays that I get from him, they're gonna be good. <laughs> and it, what reminded me of it is when you brought up Matt Barkley's name and and just remembering him sticking his finger uh, in in Matt oh, Barkley's it, face. There, there's nothing funnier than that to me. Oh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and let's and... see. Uh, let's go ahead, and uh, I'm gonna pair. I'm going to pair uh, Byron Murphy with uh, with a former Washington teammate in Buda Baker at my other safety position. So I have an all state of Washington safeties with uh, with Dan Buchanan and Buda Baker. I, I think that that's an excellent choice. I think that is an excellent choice. And so, um, like you have made a couple picks, like you have built a solid team. I, I think that 
my team is more star studded, but yours is solid. Like it is going to be a tough out. So I'm going to continue to build my build my core with some of the best players who've come out of the Pac-12 in the all-time tackling leader. Another UCLA guy who's having a really good NFL career too. I'm going with Eric Kendricks. Okay. Okay. So that's is that and, that's is that three in a row for you? No, that's two linebackers. Oh, oh no, no, no. That's so my last picks were Desmond Trufant, oh, okay. Anthony Barr, and then and then Eric Kendricks. I like it. These and are all that, guys that produce too at a high level. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I'm going to I then I'm going to add to my depth. I am going in on my second corner because I'm a versatility guy and I want to take away. I, I am playing defense as much as I'm playing offense. I'm adding my second corner as Adoree Jackson. Okay. He he That's had some coverage. Me. Huh? That's tough for me. I probably should have jumped in earlier on him. I, I try. I, I threw you. I, I know. I know you bowl. did. I know you did. <laughs> and um, so he he did have like you know that struggle game against Utah his last year. But I mean, but when you look at the value he adds as a returner, as in the cornerback, as a cornerback, he played some offense as well. This dude is a Swiss Army knife, dude. I got. Dude, imagine Adore Jackson, uh, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, Pettis on the field at the same time on a on a return. How are you supposed to cover that? You're not. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna try. We're gonna try, but yeah, there's not there's not a lot. So so let 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 me just recap. You have you you've got Desmond Trufant and Adore Jackson as your corners. Yep. Okay. Okay. I got Anthony Barr and Kendricks as my linebackers, and I only have Leonard Williams on my defensive line so far. All right, so I'm going to be playing with my receivers. I'm going to be playing power against one of them, which means that I need a speed guy. I need somebody who is going to get out there and 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 be able to, to burn with the absolute best of them, uh, which means I need somebody who ran a 4-2-40 at the NFL Combine. Uh, my oh uh, John Ross, yeah, you got it. Oh, you got I thought it. about John Ross, and he's a really good return guy too. And so uh, only only on kickoff returns though. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm so I'm gonna go ahead and put John Ross in there to pair with Nikhil Harry. Dang. That way I got speed oh. and power because uh, that's the only way I'm gonna match up with the corners that you put on the field. And then I want to make sure that I lock in because I, you know, I got I got Andrews Pete and David DeCastro and Tyron Smith, and I feel like DeCastro and Pete can play on the inside for me. They can play guard, um, which will which will be real great for Christian McCaffrey. But I want to make sure that I lock down that other tackle position, and I'm gonna actually pick a one and done player, somebody who was the, one of the highest uh, recruited JUCO. Uh, guys to come out uh and and was oh, so good in his one year that he became a uh an immediate first round pick and that's Garrett Bolas out of Utah. I knew you were gonna take to take him and his draft with his kid uh yeah with 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 holding his kid up that was pretty that was a good uh that was a good moment as well. 
Yeah, we don't um, we don't get a lot of one and done guys, so that that's that's why yeah. I went there. And I'm going to continue to bolster my offensive line by going. I'm going to take at center. I'm going to take Hironis Grasu. Okay. Um, he he ended up having a really good um, NFL career as well, which is you know always <laughs> always helps in how you view these guys. And I am going to take as well. I'm going to ah this. I'm going to take at my safety spot. I am going to take Patrick Chung. Oh, Patty Chung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, everybody knows what type of NFL career that, that 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 he had, but also most people don't know that he is, I believe, third all-time in the Pac-12 in tackles. Career tackles. Third all-time from, from safety. And he's a great cover guy, too, so that lets you know what you're getting in that position yeah. because all this power football that you want to play, we got to match some power, too. And I honestly, like, I love, and I, I know that people are just going to say, oh, well, you went all Oregon, but, like, I love him getting some love on here because he was, he's never not been good, right? And he had a very successful college career, and he's had an extremely successful NFL career uh, minus the, this year's preseason everything. headlines. Yeah, but, like, yeah, he he's... He he is very very special. I I absolutely love that. Um, that that's that's really really big. Uh, so if I if I'm truly trying to play like a three four on the defensive side of the ball, uh, then that means that you know I I I need one more linebacker who can also play on the inside. And I need somebody who's going to be there to make up for all of Vontez Burfick's mistakes, uh, which means I'm probably going to take my first current player and drop in Cal's Evan Weaver. I, I knew you wanted one wanted him. I see. I kind of intentionally stayed away from Evan Evan Weaver, oh, only because I mean, granted, he is a phenomenal tackler. So I don't want to take anything away from him at, at all. I just felt like that there were other options because you are you out of linebackers now? I am, yeah. So it might basically yeah, like so. on the outside, I'm basically saying I have uh, Cam Jordan and Dion Jordan, and then on the inside, Vontez Perfect, and uh, and next to Evan Weaver to to absorb all of the uh, because if I if I if I if I have three defensive tackles, then Evan Weaver is going to get off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because he's going to stay stay clean because I went when I was looking at the linebackers here. Here are the guys because I, I still have one linebacker spot left because I'm playing a four three. <clears throat> so I already took Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. So I was considering Shaq Thompson. Yeah. Shane Scove. Trent Murphy. Troy Dye and Miles Jack. And, or and then uh, and then I wanted to give, give give some love to two star two star Scooby Wright too. Yeah, so Scooby my- Scooby Scooby's the one of the ones that I really thought about. Um, and and obviously I'm out of defensive linemen and linebackers, but like something in me would just I would love more than anything to see Scooby Wright on the same defensive line as Will Sutton, and I picked neither one of them. Um, <laughs> but Will and- Will Sutton is very. It's it's you can make wow. the argument Will Sutton is by far the best Arizona State Sun Devil of the last decade. Yes, 
Ralph, Ralph, and when 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 you started picking all those D linemen and you didn't pick Will Sutton, I was like, Oh, cool. I can pick yeah. Will Sutton last. Yeah, and yeah. Just and like, I so I, I did like you the quarterback. I did you a massive favor, and at the same time, like I'm just glad that he he's likely gonna get picked because he he really was truly dominant. I think that I, I just I I became obsessed with the thing that I criticize people for. And, you know, when it's my turn to draft a defensive lineman, I pick the biggest ones available. And, and these are good <laughs> players, but I, I mean, it's not like it's not like Starlo Tolay or or Vita Vea or Danny Shelton outperformed Will Sutton. They're just 50 pounds bigger and two inches taller. Yeah. Yep. First, for sure. For sure. Um, and I still need a couple line. Well, well I need. Well, I'm up. I got. Left. I think I got. I think I got one pick left because I just uh, right. I, I picked Evan Weaver, so I got to give you one more. Um, yep. and I I was so busy talking about uh, Will Sutton that I sort of lost my my train of thought. Now I'm sad. Now I'm sad. Now I <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have locked everybody up the way that I did. But I did what I did. You gotta you gotta live with it. Um. I do need a tight end. Uh, now could be the time, uh, but I guess it doesn't matter because you've already got yours, so I should probably save it. Uh, what do you still need? Where could I jump in and trip you up a little bit? I'm not uh, sure. I need two. I need two linemen, defensive line, which you can't hurt. Yeah. Uh, DB. Um, and we need some specialists. Oh, oh, and we and we need a coach. Forgot about a coach. That's right. We do. We do need a coach. Um, I would have drafted my coach earlier had I had I. So here's my here's my question. <laughs> while I look for a tight end to draft, here's my question: If you draft a coach from this decade and you pick Chip Kelly, are you able to specify which Chip Kelly you're getting? Because you have Marcus Mariota on your team. It's not like you're not going to be tempted to pair him with the guy who made him what he is. Uh, no, I, 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 I think that you do get to pick which, 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 which coach, but I'm not, I'm not even thinking about, I'm not even going with Chip Kelly. So I got, I got somebody else. Okay. All right then. Um, let's see. So I still need, this is the Zach Ertz thing. I should have just made him my first pick in the entire draft. <laughs> so that this wouldn't have been an issue. I created an issue for myself. Um, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and fill out my uh, um, my running backs, and this one might surprise you a little bit, but I've already got Christian McCaffrey. He's gonna carry this whole team on his back. I want to show some love to a guy who would have been his team's all time leading rusher had he not left for the NFL draft one year early. Toby Gerhardt? No, Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins oh, would yes. have been UCLA's oh, all-time Perkins, leading yes. rusher had he not come out after his redshirt junior year. And I always wondered what it'd be like to see him with an elite offensive line. And so I'm going to go ahead and make this round of picks, uh, Evan Weaver and Paul Perkins, which if you, if, if you, <laughs> you might recognize a theme, if you know me, I now have uh, four players from Chandler high school, which is where I went to high school. <laughs> But they're all good. They're all good. You can you you can maybe make an argument for a better running back than Paul Perkins, um, but you know uh, Nikhil Harry and Cam Jordan 
uh, and Dion Jordan are uh, obviously really, really big names. Dude, you took it light on me, dude. I appreciate that because I was con I was concerned. I was actually trying to let you. Um, are you trying to let me like, win now? Okay. No, 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 no. I was trying to let you make my my uh, my decision for me, like my my running back decision. I was trying to make you make it for me because since you're out of you're out of running backs right yeah yeah i got christian mccaffrey okay. paul perkins yeah yeah so i was con considering uh lamichael james who i really really want right because he's one of the pac-12's all-time leading rushers like the dude has been he was a touchdown magnet big plays highlight so i'm going to get so much money from marketing because of it because of this guy that if we're between him and the Anthony Thomas, obviously pair them together. <clears throat> um, but I think it makes sense to, to draft a guy that I'm going to eventually draft, but well, yeah, I actually, I'll go ahead and take him right now because it's the right thing to do. He should have been drafted already. I'm going with um, running back from Arizona, Kadeem Carey. That's a fantastic pick. Fantastic pe pick. People don't realize that this dude is that that he had two near thousand yard seasons. And in and while he was at Arizona rushed for over four thousand yards, he put together what the number the the seventh most yards in the Pac-12 in one one season, 1,929 yards, and the eighth, 1,885 yards. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible what this what this dude did. So I'm going to go go there. And then the second thing is, I have to apologize to you, Ralph. <laughs> I have to apologize because I flat out lied to you because I did not want you to take my guy. I'm taking as my coach. I'm taking Chip Kelly. Okay. I did. I I could. I couldn't find anybody else besides Chris Chris Peterson. I was like, who else do I take? I see what's going on it, here. Oh, or or Kyle, Kyle Whittingham, but then but then I can't recruit. So <laughs> well, you don't have to recruit because it's a draft. So oh. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, uh, I need a punt returner. You already took a punt returner. Uh, you took, I believe, the Pac-12's all-time leader. Yep. In uh, in punt return yards, and the Pac-12 uh, career leader in punt return touchdowns. But, but he's not the only one with four career punt return touchdowns. There are actually two other players who share that designation. You are right. I can't have Deshaun Jackson because his his career was long expired before uh, the decade turned over. So I need to dip into your neck of the woods, and I need to pick up Cliff Harris. As I knew my oh, that was a good call, dude. Punt returner, because I mean, you you and and in the event in the event that for some reason one of my defensive backs gets injured, he had six interceptions as a sophomore in 2010. At Oregon, so I'm gonna go ahead I mean, and make is, my punt returner. 
uh, Cliff Harris. Is is Cliff really eligible to play? I mean, he's he's in jail for murder right now. So well, he's going to be in jail for murdering your team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to everyone involved. Uh, oh. <laughs> All right, who's your next pick? All right, so that means that I still need, I still need an interior uh, offensive lineman, somebody who can play center. Um, not totally sold on who I'm gonna pick yet. There, uh, I, I'll give you an option. I'll give you a okay, Khalid Holmes. Maybe, maybe. All right, I see. Wait, but I, I do. I do want to make sure that uh, I get some specialists locked up in case you are able to stop me and I get somebody who can hit a field goal from 50 plus. Oh God, I was going there next. So I'm going to go ahead and lock in the greatest kicker in Pac-12 history. Uh, Somebody who went 30 for 34 in the NFL this year in field goals, Zane Gonzalez. Oh God, you can, you can have Zane, Zane Gonzalez. Thank God. I didn't even want him. All right, that's I mean, fine. Was, I'll take the best was, kicker. He was my points, second pick. Points leader, I think. NCAA points leader all time. I'll take him. Yep. I mean, I mean, you saw what happened when you when you take an all time leader when you take the kid from Florida State, <laughs> Robert Aguayo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, to be fair, Zane Gonzalez went to Cleveland. It's the smartest thing he ever did. Went to Cleveland, got himself cut, and then he got to go kick in a dome. And he went 30 for 34 with the Cardinals this year. Yep. Good, good move, dude. Good move. Um, and okay, so for I am I need one more DB, one more linebacker, and some defensive linemen and interior guys, then I'm done, dude. Um I am going to take for my for my last defensive back. I am going to take another guy who is also a a return specialist, sort of. Um, is I am taking, and this kid was, just, and and the reason why I'm taking him is because he was just so he made so many big plays throughout his whole career. Um. <clears throat> I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn between Ifo Ikpre Alomo and Paulson Adebo as my corner. Um, okay. Even though Ifo was more of a safety, he he covered. You know, I'm I'm just taking DBs. Period and play playmakers. Um, how do I not take I, Ifo? The kid was just spectacular. Like he made huge, huge plays. Huge, huge play, especially on the way to the national championship. Um, but all right, man, I'm gonna go with oh lord, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Paulson Adebo because because I'm gonna go more traditional corner, and he gets a lot of interceptions and makes big plays. So I'm going with Paulson Adebo. Okay. Um, I know everybody's like he he's uh, no. I think he's going to be a really good player and a really good NFL player too. And um, for my last linebacker pick, I'm going, I'm going pure athlete, pure hitter, but like kind of mean too. And I like the fact that he's had some NFL success too. 
I am going with <clears throat> Miles Jack. Like, and then and and then yeah, that one backs, I debated. I really debated that one. That that's a tough one. Yeah, and and if my running backs get 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 hurt, I can put them in. Yeah, I mean he 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 was he was really tough. I mean he skill wise skill wise he might be one of the best players to to play in the uh, in the Pac twelve in its Pac 12s history, right? So I can't, I definitely cannot fault that pick. I'm going to round out, uh, I'm going to round out my corners with a little bit of a, 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 maybe a controversial one. Another guy who left early, but to me flashed absolute greatness. And that is uh cornerback Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado. Cause I wanted to make sure Colorado was represented in this and I still need a tight end Such and they don't really nice use guy. the tight end. And um and I, I was kind of flipping a coin back and forth between uh Shadobia Woozy and and Isaiah Oliver. And I think the upside of Oliver and the fact that he was a Pac twelve uh first teamer, um, and he he was also, you know, somebody who um I think his sophomore year I, I really helped boost Mike McIntyre over the edge to give him the uh the Pac twelve coach of the year honors. And so uh I'm gonna go ahead and make Isaiah Oliver one of my corners. Uh and then you know what? Uh, we're just going to stick with uh huh. We're we're going to we're going to go uh and stick with the mountain region um for our punter, I think. Ah, I don't know. Our our boy at ASU had a really good year this year. So that makes me that makes me kind of want to um Kind of want to go with him, but uh, we have a multiple-time Pac-12 first-teamer, Mitch Wisnowski out of Utah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and make make him my pick at punter. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, that that that's a good pick at punter. And now I'm going to follow up with with uh, my. I'm going to take my kicker and my punter. Right, right now, I'm gonna take my, my my kicker, Matt Matt Gay, from uh, Utah. One of the best kickers in Pac-12 history, and for my punter, I am taking your boy, Michael Turk from ASU. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had. I mean, he was an actual weapon. We were talking. We were talking about history. the possibility of him maybe like leaving school. early like him declaring for the draft that's how good of a year he had yeah yeah that that would not be an awful move i mean is is, is he a junior he is yeah or i think so he has a really weird story where he like wasn't punting at all then he played for a really small college and then he walked on at asu and he chased the scholarship punter off the team it's just i mean and then the nfl connections obviously with herm edwards and all that and his yeah, and and his last name is Turk. So you already know <laughs> that they know how to punt the, the the football. All right, it's it's on you. Couple last picks. Well, what? So I still need an offensive lineman. I still need a quarterback, and I still need a tight end. Correct. Yep, and and, and a coach. All right. Well, let's go ahead and lock in uh, my coach and my quarterback. And I think it'll be an interesting pairing. I'm going to go ahead and. 
I'm going to go ahead and and I know that I know he's trailed off a little bit, but we're giving him a lot to work with, and I want him to be with his quarterback. Let's go ahead and put David Shaw with Andrew Luck. Okay, that that's a legit pairing. That is a legit pairing. I mean, because at least you got the guys together, which means that you weren't going to draft Chip Kelly. Anyway. And I wanted I wanted Whittingham, but like ah, uh, you know what. It's been a long time since Alex Smith and how much did he have to do with that? Not really anything. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That that is a great call. My. um, Oh, now let me finish out my defensive line. I'm going with Will Sutton. And. Uh, so that's my second defensive lineman. So I need two more. Uh, and I am going to go with. I already got Leonard Williams. I got Will Sutton. I'm going to go with Trent Murphy. From Stanford. He's good. He's, He's somebody just... I got to watch play a lot in high school. And he was just an animal. So you're playing with him. What? Linebacker? No, no, no. no. I'm playing him at defensive line. He's second all time in uh. Yeah. So would you rush in? You do you like him? Do you like him more than Solomon Thomas? Uh, yes. Only. I mean, this is where this is to get to the quarterback. This is your yeah, yeah. All right. Correct. Even even though Solomon Thomas was good at Stanford, he just did. I, I. This is where pro success has had a little bit of influence on where I look at it. And Trip Murphy's been really good. So it, it has, you know, skewed, skewed my uh, thinking in the situation. So though, so I have one defensive lineman left and two offensive linemen. And then I'm, I have a full, full team, buddy. Huh? All right. Well, I gotta, I think, what do I have? I, I have a center. And I have a tight end, and that's who, that's who I'm worried about. I mean, if you, yeah, I, yeah, you need a center, a tight end, and a returner because you already got your <laughs> punt punt returner, so you need a kick return. Oh, yeah, you need a kick returner. <clears throat> All right, well, let me because because you drafted John Ross as a wide receiver, right? I did, I did, did I did, I a- did. So okay, well, let's assume that I could if I wanted to. Let's assume that I could move him uh, to. Let's assume that I could move John Ross to my kick returner. Uh huh. Which would give me the opportunity to pick a receiver, uh, somebody who I think probably deserves it based on what he was able to do. Um, ah, there's two. There's really two that I. I who Who would you pick? Who would you pick? And um, would you, would you go with Juju or would you go with Jalen Strong? Uh, I I okay. So it, it's funny because when you asked that, I had two guys written written down, and Jalen Strong was not run, one of them, even though he had a good career. So I had Juju and I had Gabe Marks. Now Gabe Marks, absolutely, and, mm-hmm. and uh, but part of that to me felt like the system. System, yeah, exactly. That that was why I couldn't draft him because while while the production was there, yeah, it's it's a system pick. So I would probably go with Juju if it were me. Yeah, because I mean, if I so if I did move if I did move John Ross, I would need to maintain some of that speed. And while Jalen Strong's uh, back shoulder thing is a complete cheat code, 
and had to be the most frustrating thing in the entire world for defensive backs. I've already gotten a keel Harry. So let's go yeah. ahead and move John Ross to my kick returner. Um, Cause I think he'll be dangerous there and let's make my second receiver uh, Juju Smith Schuster. And then I'm comfortable with letting you make your final two picks while I figure my life out. <laughs> you wait, you, you are still have another pick. So you need a, um, what do you need? I need, uh, I need a center and, or just an interior offensive lineman who is capable of, of playing the position, I guess. Yep. Uh, and then I also am in need of of a tight end of a tight end. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would probably go with the only I think two time or two time all pack 12 selection, I think, in Farrell Brown. Yeah. 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 Yep. I'm probably going to have to do that. Um, He was he, he was a first teamer. You know how much of that had to do with Marcus Mariota? Um. Um, he still got his though, right? So yeah. uh he was still a really good player. So all right, I'll go ahead and make my tight end Farrell Brown since the only truly transcendent tight end uh was taken by you several rounds ago. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I tried to take the one offs like the guys that could not be replaced. And I am with my last couple picks. I I'll, I'll just remember to make my last uh, so I have three picks left. And I'm gonna go with uh, since you can't take defensive linemen, I'm going to make this guy my last pick. Um, I am going with, for my last two linemen, I'm going to go with um, Jake Fisher from Oregon. Um, really good offensive lineman, can play inside and out. Um I thought you might if you're going to Oregon, I thought you might uh you might go Tyler Johnstone. Oh, that is a okay, I'm going to erase. No. If no, it wasn't for what do you do we have like three ACL tears? But he's the most athletic dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I am going to take um oh uh, I I I need one more one more lineman, Ralph. I think you're going to have to take Khalil Holmes as your center. And I am going to have to take. Hmm, I'm going to have to take. Hmm, maybe. Uh, wait, did a, did a, you take. Isaac Asiata yet? No. Okay, I'm gonna take Utah's Isaac Asiata at guard to 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 finish out my offensive line. Okay, yeah, Utah has some interesting options there. They had uh, they <laughs> they had uh, JJ Dealman. They had a few other guys there. So uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of like sort of in in the margins. You know, you got your Christian Westermans. You got a lot of guys that kind of went fourth, fifth round and, and did some damage. Um, I am going to uh, I'm going to make a little little bit of a, a a left turn for my final pick at center. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and do uh, Nate Herbig 
uh, who I think le- he left Stanford early, right? Like he was a first teamer yep. in 2018, had kind of a, not a down 2018, but not as, not as uh, good, but he, he was able to, to, to leave early. So I'll just go ahead and, uh, and pencil him in. Um, so yeah, that's it. I mean, I guess we'll post, we'll post these up side by side and see what. Hold on. I, st- I still, I still have a pick left, dude. How do you not have a pick left? Um, I, st- I still have one defensive line spot to uh, pick. How many players do you have total? Um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, and this will be number 28. Okay, then maybe I'm missing a player because I've got, I think I've got So 27. you should have a kicker, a punter. A punt return guy, a kick return guy, and a coach. Okay. I have 27. I think I'm missing a defensive back then. Okay. Um, And for my last pick, I I debated going with the Pac-12's all-time leading sack leader. And the reason why, part of the reason why I waited, because I did not know how to pronounce his name properly. (laughs) Uh. Ho'oloi Kikaha from Washington, 35 and a half sacks, all-time Pac-12 leader. And I don't know how I even missed this dude. But, so I'm debating on taking him, or do I take a guy like Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner, who were absolutely game records and were first-round draft picks? Ah, DeForest Buckner is really good. You have a lot of Oregon players, though. <laughs> Dude, they were first round draft picks. What do you want me to do? Yeah, I know. Like they, like they, they, they've won the Pac-12 more times than anybody. So of course, except for this year, inexplicably, they have no good players. Apparently, um, I'm gonna go with yeah, dude. Uh, I'm not gonna ignore this man's stats. I'm not gonna ignore him. Um. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Because I didn't even really remember him too much. So I'm going with De- DeForest Buckner as my last pick. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna stand pat at 27 because I think you might have drafted extra player. Because if, <laughs> if you got if you have 22, if you have 22 on both sides of the ball, and then you have two returners, that makes 24. And you got a coach that makes 25. And then you got a kicker and a punter that makes 27. So you're over here debating. Who you're gonna pick with with no draft pick left? That's your just your flex player. If you if you get a if you get a flex if you get a flex player, I get a flex player because my dumbass drafted Vontez Perfect when 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 I could have Blake Martinez playing on the inside. Dude, who? So oh, do do uh, you know where you went different? I think is because you took three. I, I took three linebackers. And four defensive linemen, and I think you took – so that's a total of seven players. I think that you only have six in, in that category. No, I have a, I, have, I have a, on my defensive line, because I kind of made Cam Jordan a little bit of a – we're, we're going to stand him up in my defense. But my yeah. four defensive linemen are Cam Jordan, Star Lotale, uh, Vita Vea, and Danny Shelton. And then yep. uh, my linebackers were Dion Jordan, Vontez Perfect, and Evan Weaver. 
Okay, and then your corners in your say in your uh, DBs were Buchanan, Murphy, Buda Baker, and then I also had Isaiah Oliver. Oh yeah, I don't know how I, how how I had an extra pick, but I guess such is life. Okay, so who is who who is your your extra player? Because apparently, oh, it's, it's gonna it's be Blake happen. Martinez for when Vontez Burfitt gets kicked out of this game on the first play. Okay, all right. All right. Um, so Blake Martinez, by the way, I don't know if you know this. Blake Martinez led the NFL in tackles this year. I think was second last year and second the year before that. I'm completely making that up, but I do know that he has more in the last three seasons than anyone in the NFL. Wow, he's he's really come on. Yeah, and so guys, this was our all decade team. You guys, make sure you guys send in your questions, comments, anybody that you feel like we left off because I mean there are so many guys that could have been on the list like uh Michael James Jonathan Franklin Sam Love Sam Darnold no love yeah um Bryce I'm uh, sorry Miles Gaskin Marquise uh, well Mar- Mar- Marquise Lee's on there but Robert Woods um Gabe Marks uh you know who else could Khalid Holmes I thought you were um, gonna say Khalil Tate <laughs> Khalil Am- Khalil Tate Anderson, uh, Eric Eric Armstead, um, uh, hold how Aloy that guy. Who was who was the least represented? Because I don't think you you have one University of Arizona player. I have yep. one two Cal players. I have no Cal players. Yeah, I mean, like like if we were going like the last two decades i would have taken like delta o'neill or something like that <clears throat> but um yeah I, I would say washington no no there's a couple of washington state players i would say colorado because i have no colorado players i think i have one or two and oh no and i think i took the only oregon state player you took the only oregon state player and the only arizona player i think i took the only cal players and colorado players but yeah. I, it's reflective of the decade. I mean, I'm Stanford right. heavy. You're Oregon heavy. We both got a bunch yeah, of Washington yeah. and USC dudes. Yep. And then there's Shaq Thompson, Shane Scove. I mean, like, there was a ton of Stanford guys that you could have picked, especially on defense. Yeah. Uh, Troy, Troy, Troy Dye, Scooby Wright was a little left off. Scooby yeah, Wright was yeah. left off. Solomon Thomas was left off. I think what Solomon Thomas was a top 10 NFL pick, right? Yeah, he was number three. Yeah. Um, you, you had uh, Ifo, Ikre Alomu, Ed Reynolds, uh, Taylor Rapp, Arian Springs, Iman Marshall, all left off. Um, Kaimi Fairbairn. Gabe Marks. Had, like you yeah. talked about, Gabe Marks probably should have been included, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's hard to tell with the system. Yeah, so we will get all these things posted. You guys, make sure if you guys have any questions, comments about the list, I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Peace out. We will catch you guys later.